0: Hello, and welcome to The Amy Ayler Show, episode number 208, featuring my dear friend, the amazing Mike Robbins, who you're going to meet in just a moment, who's going to talk to us about bringing your whole self to work. Yes, that means every single part of you, the good, the bad, the ugly, we're going to go there today. And you can, as always, find all the show notes for the show at amyaylorsshow.com forward slash 208. That's amyaylorsshow.com forward slash 208. So without further ado, I want to introduce you to a man. I believe I called him a delicious man when I first met him. We met many moons ago when I was first bringing out and birthing my first book. And we realized that I lived literally walking distance from his childhood home in Oakland, California. And I was blown away by his authenticity, by his generosity, by his heart, by his beauty, and by his soulfulness. And so I love having soulful, embodied, kind, good men here on the Amy Ayler Show. And I'm so excited because Mike is right now launching his brand new book, called bring your whole self to work and I want you to run and buy not just one but three copies of this book let me tell you why I always say this because I want you to keep one copy of course for yourself one copy to gift to someone and then just keep the other copy on your shelf and then when the spirit moves you and you feel inspired gift it to someone that's like you know what I know the exact book for you that's what I do and I just love being able to gift like be a little book fairy out in the world So Mike is an incredible speaker, he speaks around the world for companies like Google, just to name a few, Charles Schwab, things that are big in the world, and he also used to be a professional baseball player, can you believe it? And so he really brings his messages of authenticity, of being yourself, and of course really being yourself at work to every single aspect of his work. He also has two gorgeous daughters and an absolutely stunning wife. I love him. I love his entire family. And I'm so excited that he's here. Mike, thank you so much for being here
1: on The Amy. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. I was just sitting here grinning from ear <laughs> to ear as you were saying all those wonderful <laughs> things about me and my family. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's true. I feel that way. Well, And I also just want to mention your two other books, Focus on the Good Stuff and Be Yourself. Everyone Else is Already Taken. and nothing changes until you do wait this is your fourth book
1: fourth book yeah
0: oh my gosh I can't believe you've done it four times that is amazing (laughs) to me (laughs) having done it twice myself I'm like wow it's 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 intense isn't it
1: yes I know and right in right in the throes of lunch I'm excited but like wow what did I sign up for (laughs) I know
0: right I know gosh it's like childbirth you don't remember any of the things and then you just go through it again and you're like what what was this about oh my goodness. Yeah. So, you know, one of the things that I really wanted to talk to you about today is I feel like for me, as I work more as a keynote speaker and doing corporate programs inside companies, when I'm working with people at Google or wherever it is that I am, I often will hear this, what I would call a big fat lie, about that you just can't be emotional at work. You just aren't supposed to be authentic at work and you're certainly not supposed to be vulnerable at work. And one of the reasons I love you is that you model vulnerability and authenticity so beautifully in every aspect of your life. And you're really bringing that message specifically to the corporate world. So will you talk a little bit about that and the impact and why someone should even bother doing that?
1: Well, look, I mean, I think a lot of us, for a variety of very understandable reasons, have some fears and doubts and concerns about being too vulnerable or too emotional at work. Yeah. Um, you know, and a lot of times, I mean, I think you and I talked a little bit about this when you came on my podcast about a month and a half ago, that the rules can be different or they seem to be different for men and women. Right. right? And one of the things that I often hear about, because some of what I do, similar to you and the way that I work, particularly, I mean, if I'm speaking, it's one thing, but also when I come in and I work with a team or do a workshop, you know, I'm attempting to and wanting to really create a safe enough space where people can be as real as possible. And when they do that, sometimes what happens is people get emotional, right? So there are some tears. And oftentimes in general, people get a little uncomfortable with tears for a variety of reasons, but especially at work. It's like... Right. (laughs) (laughs) right? And again, what what I see, and again, not to overgeneralize this on gender lines, but for men in general, we have been taught not to cry, not just at work, but at all. Like don't cry, cry, suck it up, be a man, all of that stuff that although the world has changed in a lot of wonderful ways, there's still a lot of us who got that training and still get that training as young boys and as men. So a lot of us have shut off our emotions to the point where it's hard to even access them, whether we're at work or with our families or our friends or anyone. Right. For women, what I hear, and again, you would know this better than me, but I hear this a lot from women, particularly at work and in the business world, is like, if I'm too emotional, I'm not taken seriously. Right. Oh, there she goes again and you know sometimes I'll hear a woman say I try really hard to keep it together and then you know they'll get mad even at times we start to do it now now I'm a mess and I'm crying and (laughs) and and so while I, I totally understand that again I don't know what it's like to be a woman but I think at some level what I'm attempting to encourage people to do is can we be as real and as human as possible and sometimes that might involve us being emotional and hopefully It's also a choice. You know, we don't have to be vulnerable and and emotional all the time. But if we can or we have the space to do that, it really benefits us and all the people we work with.
0: How do you feel like it really benefits the people that you work with? If you're in a leadership position, let's say, um, and you have some vulnerability, maybe you have some tears or there's something going on in your personal life or what have you. What have you noticed happens for the teams when their leaders show that kind of humanity?
1: Well, it's big. I mean, one thing I'll say before I even answer that directly is, is in the context, and you mentioned, I know you've done some work recently at Google, and yeah. you know, Google's been a client of mine for many years. You know, Google did a study a few years back that you, some people who are listening or watching may have heard of called Project Aristotle. And what they did was... They spent three years studying. First, they started just at Google, and then they expanded it out across the industry and technology, and then across many industries around the world. And they were studying and trying to figure out what are the key components that create high performance for teams. Mm -hmm. Three years of studying and looking at all this data and metadata and crunching all these numbers, they came up with five components. And the number one component is what they call psychological safety. (laughs) And, And that basically means, right, it's trust at a group level. It means I can be myself. I can make a mistake. I can get emotional. I can have an idea that nobody agrees with. I can disagree. I can take a risk. I can do all these things, and I'm not going to be excluded or kicked out of the group. So as a long way to answer your question, when a leader is willing to show up and he or she is willing to be vulnerable, admit a mistake, admit some of their own insecurity or their doubt, what that does, it gives everyone else on the team more permission because like if the boss acts like that and is willing to say, hey, I messed up, or this is hard for me, or I'm having a hard time with this, or I'm uncomfortable with that, or I think I screwed this up, or whatever they say, that in them embodying that, it gives everyone else permission. I say to leaders all the time, if you're not vulnerable and authentic, it's not that your team can't be, it just makes it 10 times harder for them to be. Right. But if you are, it makes it 10 times easier. It's not a guarantee they will be. So when I see leaders that are willing to lead that way, um they just give more space and permission for their team and that creates more of that psychological safety and then they can perform better
0: well and I love that you're link i just got chills when you said that because i love that you're linking it to performance yeah because it's really it you know we think that if if we're just like a perfect perfect drive hard hustle you know, in that, that way, that that's when we're going to have higher performance that like the emotions, the vulnerability, the humanity is getting in the way of us actually performing when what I hear you saying is the exact opposite is true. Right. That, and, you know, cause then you can risk,
1: right. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's somewhat paradoxical, but I think, yeah. this, you know, you mentioned in my introduction, I mean, I played baseball for all those years. Right. And, and as an athlete, one of the things I wish I would have known when I was younger that I didn't know Was that it was okay. I used to feel really, really nervous and anxious before I would pitch, before I would play baseball. And I, you know, and I was good. Yeah. You know, growing up, it was like I was one of the best players on the team. And I couldn't understand, like, why am I nervous? Right. Right? Like, it didn't make sense. No one explained it to me. And if I ever admitted it even a little bit to some of my teammates, they would look at me like, what are you, crazy? Like, you're really good. And I was like, okay, never mind. I'm just kidding, you know? And but what I learned over time with that, and especially now as I go back and I do work with some athletes, even though most of my clients are in the business world, is when we have the space, right, that we know I can mess up, I can admit that I feel scared, I can express that I'm stressed out, not like in a whining, complaining way, but just like I'm feeling overwhelmed. When we have that space, the irony is we're less likely to make mistakes, right? It's like when you know you can make mistakes, (laughs) when it feels like you can't. Right. When someone's like breathing down your neck and looking over your shoulder and micromanaging you like, don't mess it up. You know, you're more likely to make a mistake because it's like super stressful. But when you have the space to know like, hey, you know what? We trust you and believe in you. And if you fall on your face, we'll be there to pick you up. And like then we're less likely to do it and we're more likely to take a risk and do something extraordinary that we wouldn't otherwise if we didn't feel that sense of safety.
0: It's calling to mind a story I was just telling a friend the other day who's launching her first book. And I was talking with her about the initiation of going from, you know, non-published author to published author in our world, right? And I said to her, my dear friend Mike Robbins said to me before my book launch of my first book, he said to me, Amy, I just want you to know I will love you even if you never sell one book. And I like burst into tears. And when you know we were in a mastermind together at the time, and of course, like I was bursting into tears all the time because I was so raw and vulnerable because my first book was coming out, and it was like the relief of knowing that I would be loved, that my children wouldn't run screaming from me, like I hate you, mom, you didn't sell enough books, you know, like that. That if I had this big, huge, epic, you know, public failure that I'd still have the people in my life that matter to me the most. Yeah. And from that space of permission that I was able to carry on, because for a while there I was like, I don't know if I'm going to even do it. Maybe I'll just cancel that book launch party, you know? Yeah. So, I, you you know, you've really modeled that so well, and I know that you do that with your girls, with your daughters, too, of giving them that space. Like, I feel like these principles that you're teaching in this book are not just for work. It's for life.
1: It It, it is. I appreciate you saying that. And I think, yeah. you know... I mean, I, you know, saying that to you about your book is and, and, and by the way, I mean, you know this and, and it's, it's easy for me to say that and mean that to you. The harder part I know for me is to remember that myself. And I think that's one of the challenges for us. Yes. You know, and one of the paradoxes for those of us that are really committed to our own success, again, whether we're entrepreneurs or we have our own businesses or we're owners of a small business or we work for a big organization, mm-hmm. you know, we want to be successful. The outcome does matter. The challenge, though, is a lot of us, and, and I've struggled with this for much of my life, particularly as a former athlete, that we get so attached to the outcome and we think the outcome is us as opposed to separating it out. You know, as you were sharing that, I was thinking of another of a story. I was at one of the Wisdom 2.0 conferences a number of years ago, yeah. and a guy named Bill Ford, who I think is the grandson of the great-grandson of Henry Ford, was there, wow. former CEO of Ford Motor Company. I think he's still at the time or even still now is the chairman of the board for Ford. But he told a story about Ford almost going under during the financial crisis. And you remember, wow. you know, if the government hadn't come in to bail out the auto industry, like Ford and a bunch of the other companies would have gone under. And he said, here I am, the CEO of this company, my family company, one of the most iconic brands in the United States, like a bedrock of our economy. If If the company goes under, under my watch, it's like, Oh, probably just the greatest failure you could possibly imagine. he's like, and we're having to lay off people who've worked for the company for gener- like their family's been in the company for generations. And he said, and this was amazing. He shared on stage at wisdom 2.0 that he'd been practicing meditation and had been worked with Jack Kornfield who started the spirit rock Zen center for like 20 years. And he said, I would get up every day and I do, I would do my loving kindness meditation and I would just ask for guidance. Like, what can I do today to be kind? What can I do today to be loving? Even in the midst of all this? he said, and I got to a point where I made peace with the fact that even if this thing goes off the cliff and the company implodes and we have to let everybody go and it 's this epic failure, he said, I realized that the people who know me and love me are still going to love me, and like yes, this is going to have significant impact, and yes it's going to impact a lot of people's lives and livelihoods as well as mine. But he said, when I got to that place to realize I would be okay even if that horrible thing happened, he 's like, something sort of clicked inside of me. And he's like, I was much more effective as a leader in making some of the decisions we had to make. And to me, I'm sitting in the audience, listening to him talk and thinking, you know, I might be worried about a book not selling or about something happening or whatever, but I can't imagine being the CEO of my family's company with thousands and thousands of employees. I mean, all of that pressure. But I thought if he could feel that way and make that piece, then maybe I could and maybe the rest of us could. And that's part of why our own personal journey Is Really important in relation to our work because how we show up at work is how we show up in life
0: So I just want all of you that are listening to take a moment and just look at is there any area of your life? where you're collapsing Your self-worth your self-love your value as a human being with success with that exterior success And, you know, it's like when my first book was coming out, I was, I I really had my inner mean girl in my mind, right? That inner critic in my mind that was saying to me, oh, and by the way, if you don't sell enough books, you're not okay. You as a human being, you're a failure. Not that you failed, but that you are personally are a failure, right? Right. And so it's like, we can get into that mindset where we collapse those two things. And when we can uncollapse them, you know, even before we were just recording, we were talking about your, you know, your book launch that you're doing right now. And I was saying, I just love it because I love hearing that you're not collapsing those two things, that you're playing the game called Let's get this book out into the world. Let's touch as many lives as possible with this beautiful work. And again, I really want to encourage people to check out the book. You can go to Mike's website, mike robinscom forward slash work. And of course, that will be in the notes as well. But, you know, I love that you're playing the game as just like, oh, this is just a game. But actually, I'm not putting my self-love, my self-worth for grabs.
1: Yeah. You know, I appreciate you saying that. And one thing that I recently I've found myself I've been watching some historical documentaries about just certain periods of time in American history. Um, You know, about Kennedy's assassination or about Watergate or things in the you know the Vietnam War. So you know, not too far, but but long enough ago. As I'm watching these things now, you know, I was born in 1974, so most of that stuff happened in the decade or so before I was born. But watching them has had me have some interesting perspective both on our country but also on life, but also realizing the vast majority of the people I'm watching in these documentaries were really, really important people at the time. Most of them are dead. A bunch of them I've never even heard of. And I'm thinking these were like the most important people in the country at the time. And this was like 50 years ago. And I don't even really remember them. You know, my my friend, Dr. Fred Luskin likes to ask the question when he speaks, he'll often say, how many of you know the first and last name of your parents. And of course, everybody raises their hand. He said, how many of you know the first and last name of all of your grandparents? And most everyone raises their hand. He says, how many of you know the first and last name of all of your great grandparents? And very few people know all of them. He's like, how about one of them? And He goes, how, how about your great, great? And he gets to the point where you're in a room of a couple hundred people and no one can raise their hand. He's like, you don't even remember the first and last name of your direct descendants. Right? Like, you and I walk around in life worried, like, "Oh my God, I messed this up." Right, <laughs> this thing, and it's like, you know, your great great grandchildren—you'll be lucky if they even know your name.
0: <laughs> wow. I mean, it's it's, yeah. I mean, it's so interesting how insignificant we are, and yet how meaningful our life
1: is. Right. It's
0: both, and it's that paradox. It's so weird. <laughs>
1: Well and even and then back to your question from the beginning about about bringing ourselves and that vulnerability to work and some of the fear that we have and my my response often to people when they talk about their concern is I like, first honor, look, I know it can be hard. Yes. I know we've all had negative experiences right. we get things used against us, we've had all this stuff has happened or could happen, and our work not only is our self worth often tied up into it, I mean our livelihood and supporting ourselves and our family. so like It's real. So taking a risk and being bold to the point where I might get fired from my job or lose a client or whatever, like that's significant. That said, it's also when we can hold that life's meaningful, like you said, and there's a certain level of insignificance at the same time, then I think we're more willing to take a risk. We're more willing to try and see what happens. And the worst thing that can happen a lot of times is we get embarrassed, we feel uncomfortable or we lose out on some opportunity. And usually, within a relatively short amount of time, even if it's something really painful that happens, we can look back on it and see the lesson. Yes. You know, it's very rare that someone comes and says, I did this thing and I was really bold and I took a risk yes. and I lost my job and everything was terrible. That I usually will ask, Well, how do you feel about that now? And they're always like, Oh, it was the best thing that ever happened to right. me. <laughs>
0: Well, yeah, and so it's like I love playing the worst case scenario and best case scenario game. So we can just run the worst case scenario, right? And then also run the best case scenario and go, okay, I'll be okay if if either of those things happen. And likely, it's going to be somewhere in between, right? You no, know? but it's like, yeah, but I think I I think you're totally right, and I feel like for people that aren't used to being vulnerable, that aren't used to really, you know, showing what's going on behind the curtain, so to speak, the mask, whatever metaphor you want to use, right. it's like being able to say. I want to be real with you here. I'm going to be vulnerable for a moment. Or I want to tell the truth about this right now. Like doing the little preamble to let people know, hey, this is a moment of vulnerability for me. Because sometimes what feels really vulnerable to someone else is not at all vulnerable for the person receiving it. Right. You know, like I try to practice this in my marriage. I try to practice this when I'm leading workshops or speaking. Like, I'm going to be vulnerable. I'm going to tell the truth for a minute. Like, here's my secret truth or whatever it is so that people really get, so they can lean in a little bit and appreciate that you're opening up.
1: Absolutely. And that does, it gives people the sense and some context around it and and hopefully it can make it as, as safe as possible. Right. in, In a really practical way. Amy, one of the things that I often talk to people about in this context, again, in our professional lives, whatever kind of work we do, What's really important to a lot of us, understandably, is we want to have credibility. Right. The fears that we have is, again, if I get too emotional, if I'm too vulnerable, or I admit, you know, I start to cry, or I admit I don't know something, or I I need some help on something, or I screwed something up, it's going to damage my credibility, right? right? And look, it's not that it can't, and there are times when it might, so we have to be mindful of who we are, and where we are, and what's going on. However, there's two types of credibility. There's professional credibility, which is about our resume, and our track record, or if we work in a company, our title, maybe where we went to school, the results that we've produced, you know even to your point in the kind of work that you and I do. I mean, things like book sales and status and all that. I mean, those things, that's all part of professional credibility. It goes on the resume, it goes in the bio, and it matters. However, there's another, I think, more important type of credibility, and that's personal credibility. Hmm. And personal credibility isn't about where you went to school or what your job title is or you know what results you've produced or any of that stuff. It's about, can I trust you? Can I relate to you? Yeah. We have a real human connection. And what's happened in today's business world in a lot of ways, because we have all this great technology, like this technology that allows you and I to have a conversation here and record it and people to listen to it or watch it. Companies use this all the time. So we can connect and communicate all over the world instantaneously. But what often gets lost is real personal connection. Yeah. So personal credibility. Again, think about everyone who's watching and listening to us. Think about the people that you trust the most, the people that you work with that you know that person has my back. That person, I'll take their feedback. I may not always agree with it or like it, but I'll take it. It's because they have personal credibility with you. It's not because they're the smartest person you know, or they went to the best school, or they sold a bunch of books, or whatever the heck. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's because, like, wow, like that person has credibility with me as a human being. And if you have both professional and personal credibility, now something really amazing can happen.
0: I love that. I love that. Well, and I know in your book, you have five principles and I just want to, before we wrap up here, just state them. The first one is be authentic, which I feel like we've really talked about here about the power of authenticity The second is utilize the power of appreciation. Is there any little nibble that you want to give us about that?
1: I would say just understanding there's a distinction between recognition, which is about performance. That's thanking someone formally or informally for a job well done. Appreciation is more about people's value. It's about that personal credibility, connecting with the human being behind the result, the success or the failure. Like that's utilizing the power of appreciation.
0: Love that. Um, Principle number three is focus on emotional intelligence.
1: Right. So that's really about, right, self-awareness, self-management and social awareness relationship management. So knowing that our EQ is often as important, if not more important than our IQ for our success in business.
0: Well, and that ties so beautifully into personal credibility, like what you were just talking about, of really being able to connect in that way. Yeah. Uh, Principle number four is embrace a growth mindset.
1: Yeah, growth mindset, people probably heard a little bit about this. There's a professor at Stanford named Carol Dweck, whose work is all focused on this concept of growth mindset. And it's basically the idea that we we understand that we can actually improve at anything that we're willing to put our minds to, if you will. It's also looking at everything that comes our way, even the challenges and the setbacks. And this is so much maybe what your work's all about. It's like looking at it as a growth opportunity. Right. And not being the fixed mindset is that inner mean girl is that inner critic. That's like, you have to be perfect or else you suck. Right. You know right. what I mean? like, right. It's just like, we always fail when we're in that fixed mindset place and we're very constricted growth mindset is much more expansive.
0: Beautiful. And then the fifth is create a championship team.
1: Yes. And that's really about, you know, I've always like, I loved baseball, the, the sport, but I also loved the whole Team dynamic. And in sports, we have this concept we would call chemistry. Like you have good chemistry or bad chemistry. And it wasn't about the talent, it was really about the relationships. And when I left baseball, Amy, I sort of erroneously thought that was a sports thing. And then I got into the (laughs) physical world and I realized, oh, that's not a sports thing. (laughs) thing. Right? Yeah. But it's that intangible thing that brings us together. And that's why it's so important, even with all the technology we have these days, the human connections, the human interactions. The building that personal credibility with each other. I've seen this over the years. 17 years of working with teams in organizations of all different types, that chemistry, that culture, it trumps strategy, it trumps talent, it trumps, you know, any kind of skill and ability every day. If we've got that. And if you don't have that, it's very difficult to succeed. Beautiful. Okay. So
0: I want to wrap up with asking you a question that I try to ask all my guests here on the Amy Ayler show, and that's just what's messy and what's magical about your life these days,
1: Mike Robbins. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> a, a lot, a lot on both ends. Of I the know, thing. right? <laughs> um, I mean, what's messy? I would say, you know, a, a number of things, but right now, um, you know, our girls are 12 and nine and just I'm finding myself having a bit of a challenge. Like I get it in my brain, but my heart hasn't caught up yet. That like we actually have a preteen and mm-hmm. she's not a little girl anymore, and like understanding what it means to be the father of a preteen. Oh. It, it, it's it's exciting. It's challenging, and it's just like I, and I'm saying and doing all kinds of weird things that are <laughs> all the time. <laughs> um, you know, but that also mixed yeah. with. The book launch and everything going on just trying to be present and engage and it and i feel like at times i'm completely just have no idea what i'm doing so yeah. <laughs> very humbling <laughs> and and what what i would say is magical ironically is some of the same thing yes it, it's all the learning and both both with with our girls and what i'm learning about myself as a father but also i think with with my work that i'm finding more opportunities to practice bringing my whole self, um, seeing where I get, where I get scared, but also where if I just stop pushing so hard, which is a challenge for me, I'm seeing amazing things show up when I'm less attached. Mm-hmm. So that's been kind of magical.
0: That's awesome. Mike, thank you so much for blessing us with your presence on the Amy Ayler show. Again, the name of the book is bring your whole self to work. It is launch week right here and now go and check it out at Mike dash Robbins forward slash work. And Robbins is spelled with two B's. And of course it's in the show notes, Amy Ayler show slash two zero eight. So with that darlings, I'm sending you off with a huge hug until the next Amy Ayler show and reminding you, you can pick up your wake up, your inner wisdom kit at wakeupcallshow.com. And with that, I will send you off sending you off with so much love. Keep embracing the messiness and the magic of life. Bye-bye.